If you have a Bible, you can turn in it, in it to Ezekiel chapter 36. Um, you can look that up on your phones. The, the passage that we're looking at is also in the bulletin. It's going to be on the screens as well. But the bulletin is a place where you can take notes if you want to write something down. We are starting a new series. It's called United in Baptism. And over the next five weeks, we're going to look at baptism, at what it means and also what it does. Um, We're going to talk about how to live baptized lives. And as Mike was announcing earlier, um, one of the outcomes of this series is that we want all of you who haven't been baptized to consider being baptized on July 22nd in Mission Bay at Crown Point Park. We're going to have a, uh, a, our Sunday service there in the park. Um, there's going to be a barbecue, a bounce house, hopefully. It's going to be an amazing celebration day as we celebrate God and his love and his grace being experienced in our lives. And so this series is designed to help us get ready for that so that we can understand not only what it would mean for you to be baptized if you're not, but so that you could understand what your baptism is. Um, and this is important because baptism, it's, it's a water ceremony, right? We get that. It's a water ceremony that God instituted so that we would understand what God is doing right now in history. Okay, you wonder where is God? What is God doing? Baptism tells us not only what God is doing, but it also tells us the part that we play in it. Um, And this is important for us, especially for people who've been baptized, because what tends to happen is when you think about baptism, um, if you haven't been baptized, you think about baptism before you're baptized, and then you're baptized, and then you're like, you sort of like leave baptism behind. Um, I remember one of my kids, um, this is probably five or six years ago, I think, um, one of my kids got a programmable graphing calculator for school. And after some time that this child had it, I'm trying to be really careful not to indicate the gender of my child um, so that I could protect the, uh, the, 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 the up until that point of time ignorant. Um, after some time, we were having a conversation about the calculator and it became clear that my child thought that the cool thing about the calculator, right? These are one of these calculators like about like this, the screen's about this big, you know, and you can type stuff in the keyboard down below. My child thought that it was cool because you could type the problems onto the screen of the calculator. And that's why it was cool because you could put the problems into the calculator. And I paused and I said, wait, wait, hold on. The calculator can do more than just display problems. The calculator can actually solve these problems. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, the point of a programmable graphing calculator is that it can solve for X. It can tell you, it can actually graph what happens to Y as X changes. And it was like this crazy epiphany, right? where this calculator is being used to display problems without knowing that it could actually solve problems. Baptism is like this, friends. Baptism is like this. Baptism doesn't just display something. It doesn't just display problems. Baptism actually helps solve them. And so baptism is a water ceremony that I know many of you have experienced. Not all of you, but many of you have experienced baptism. And I will venture to guess that you don't actually understand what baptism means. 
or what happened to you when you were baptized or what God wants you to know about your baptism. So we're going to talk about that. That's what this series is for. And today, as we look at a passage in Ezekiel chapter 36, we're going to see that baptism is a water ceremony that's a celebration. It's a celebration of God making things new. The baptism tells a story, and there are actually several different stories. There are several different metaphors that the Bible gives us when we think about baptism because it wants to communicate lots. Baptism is a sacrament, okay? It's a sacrament. There are two sacraments. There's baptism, and then there's the Lord's Supper. And these sacraments are the ways that God communicates the benefits of being in a relationship with him. And so it kind of makes sense that there isn't just one way to look at baptism, that there's lots of strands of thought, there's lots of different images that come together in baptism. But what we're going to see today is that baptism is a story of starting over and starting fresh. So we're going to read this passage, um, and this passage is a prediction way back in the Old Testament. It's a prediction of the future when God would baptize his people and bless them. Okay, so we're going to look at Ezekiel 36, verses 24 to 27. They're going to be on the screens or in your bulletin. Friends, this is God's word. Listen. This is God talking. He says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. So these four verses uh, form a paragraph. And, and this is one of these passages that when you're reading the Bible, like if you're reading the Bible kind of all the way through, you, you kind of stop and you think, wait, wait, hold on. I understand this. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. This is the gospel here. Like this is good news in a way that I think I can understand. Like I found the good news. I found the gospel in this Old Testament passage. I don't know if your Bible reading is anything like mine, but I've had countless, literally countless times when I've been reading the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, where I start reading and all of a sudden I find that I'm still looking at the words, but I am totally lost. Anybody else? <laughs> right? Um, in the book of Ezekiel, usually I get lost around chapter seven-ish, kind of eight, and I'm just sort of thinking, I don't know if you ever thought this before, but I've thought this in the past, you know, if my eyes make meaningful contact with all the words, then maybe God will sort of like osmotically bless me. Like through osmosis, I'll just get this sort of blessing and I'll be able to say, hey, I've read the whole Bible at some point, you know? Um, or, hey, I'm tackling Ezekiel. And maybe the first time I read Ezekiel, I got lost in chapter three and then I got to chapter six and now eight is usually where I get lost. And so, and then you're sort of reading and you're reading, you're reading, and then you find a passage like this and you're like, wait, 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 I get this, Right? I mean, when this happens for some people, they will take the paragraph or the verse and they'll put it on a bumper sticker <laughs> um, or they'll make some wall art, right? Or they'll like write it in really great writing and then they'll take a snapshot and they'll put it on their Instagram story, right? I mean, this is what happened. 
not always, but at least for me, when this happens, what I'm actually saying is, hey, I finally found a verse I understand, (laughs) right? This is good news and I found it here and I had to wade through all of these chapters and now I finally found something that I can, like that speaks to my heart. When that happens, rejoice, (laughs) rejoice. God is speaking to you, something hits you. That's glorious, it's wonderful. And so when this happens, you wanna slow down, you wanna read it carefully and you wanna understand it. Um, And so that's what we're gonna do today. We're gonna do this today. So one thing that's helpful is that I, I did, I looked up an introduction to the book of Ezekiel. Okay, and I've read Ezekiel, I don't know, probably eight or nine times over the course of my life still don't feel like I had the whole thing sort of in my brain. And so I did a, I have the ESV study Bible and it has introductions to all the books and it's got really helpful introductions. And the outline of Ezekiel is this. It starts off with bad news. And the people who received the book of Ezekiel, they already knew the bad news because they actually were in exile. So the nation of Babylon had come and destroyed God's people in Israel and then put them in chains and dragged them, dragged them through the desert back to Babylon. And they were living enslaved, exiled oppression. And so the beginning of Ezekiel is Ezekiel reminding people, hey, you're here because you guys left God. You're here because you turned your back on God and your relationship with him and you began to live individually and then collectively as a society in a way that was dishonoring to God, that wasn't following any of his design for you and for your life. And that's why you're in exile. That's why you've been destroyed and oppressed. And so your enemies have come and conquered you because you have left God. That's helpful for us because that same message speaks to us in different ways. We don't, I mean, we haven't been exiled, but when we walk away from God, sometimes we spiritually feel far away from him. So Israel was physically far from God. We often feel spiritually far from God when we begin to make decisions to to ignore God in our lives, to sort of push him out, to not look for his wisdom, to not follow after him and his design for our lives. And so that's maybe how the beginning of Ezekiel might apply to us. Well, then Ezekiel, the second section of Ezekiel is Ezekiel telling the people, hey, look, don't worry about your enemies because God's not going to let them get away with what they've done. You've been destroyed. You've been oppressed. You've been manhandled and abused by these other nations. God will hold them responsible for what they've done. Okay, there's, there, there's going to be hell to pay for them. So he's going to punish them for what they've done to you. And then there's the third section of Ezekiel, which is the last part of Ezekiel. And in this part, there are these promises that God makes through Ezekiel. And he's telling them, listen, there's coming a future when God is going to renew his relationship with you. There's coming a future when God is going to give you a new start and a new heart. And so this is sort of the outline of Ezekiel. It tells this story You're here because you walked away from God. God is going to punish the enemies that have done this awful thing to you. And then God is going to renew his relationship with you and bless you again. And that's where our passage is. Our passage is in this third section. Now the name Ezekiel is the other thing I learned when I looked up the outline. Ezekiel means God strengthens. I thought, what a great name for a prophet. 
Like who's preaching? Who's telling us, oh, God strengthens his? Huh. I was thinking like, what would it be like if you had a meeting this week with somebody, you're going to have coffee with them and talk about your spiritual life. And their name was God makes you strong. (laughs) You'd go into that meeting with some hope, wouldn't you? (laughs) Be like, yeah, I kind of need this. And so this was Ezekiel, and this is his message. And in this paragraph that we have found in the middle of nowhere, actually there's some really cool stuff in chapter 34. There's a verse in chapter 33 that's really interesting about the heart of God. There's really great stuff the next chapter. So there's, there are more. It's not just one thing in 36 chapters, but you get the point. But we found this great thing. And what we find here is that God strengthens us through baptism. Right? Water and spirit are in this passage In verse 25, we see, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean, right? Then in verse 26, um, it says, a new spirit I will put in you. And so we see that we have, that, that, that this is baptism. This is how God strengthens us through water and through spirit. And so what we see here, if you want to write one thing down today, here it is. It's baptism means new start and new heart. Okay, baptism means new start and new heart. So we're going to see this as we walk through these verses and then apply it to us today. So verse 24, it says, I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you to your own land. And so again, God is promising that there will be an end to the exile. You feel far away. You feel separated and God will bring you back home. That's the promise that he was making to his people. It's the promise that baptism communicates to us. This is the story to us, that when we turn away from God, God brings us back from wherever we are. He brings us back, and he brings us back into his family. And so the church The church is designed to be the family that we're welcomed into. And baptism, it's a grand celebration of God finding us and welcoming us back. And so the design of the church, this is why we do baptisms during church. Um, It's because the church is supposed to be this community of people who are all living out the story of coming back to God. Think about your own story. Okay, some of you in your lives, you are living far from God, but then God found you and brought you back and brought you into the family of his love, right? That is the story of your life. That's the story of my life. Now, others of you, you've grown up in the faith and you've had ups and downs in your spiritual journey, right? You've had times you felt really close to God, times that you felt like you just didn't want to deal with God anymore, um, but you've always sort of stayed in the church, Well, God reminds you that he has always loved you and he has always been faithful to you. Now, when you hear someone tell their story, I mean, it's really a wonderful thing, isn't it? When you hear somebody else talk about their spiritual journey, like how their life was before they met Jesus, what it was like for them to meet Jesus, and then the difference that their life has been after they've met Jesus. It's thrilling, isn't it? Oftentimes you hear someone and some of their story, like sometimes their stories like overlapping circles, right? Where sometimes he overlaps a little bit. Sometimes he overlaps like, oh my goodness, we have the same exact story. That's exactly what I went through. You know, whether the overlap is big or small, 
when you hear someone else talk about their journey when they met Jesus or when, as they grew up in the church, they began to, like, to understand and own the faith for themselves. Like, your heart stirs, doesn't it? Your heart stirs because you're like, wait, wait, I know this God. Like, this God has also renewed my heart. This God has also, like, met me in my life. He's reached out to me and made me know for sure that he cares about me and loves me. And so, like, the design here is that, man, that, that baptism, it's, it's, it's supposed to be this sort of equalizer. As different as we are, and even we have different experiences of meeting Jesus. Sometimes you hear people's story and you're like, whoa, like, my life was nothing like that. And... But like you listen, you're like, Jesus, thank you. Like Jesus is able to meet anybody wherever they are, no matter what they've done, and bring them into his family. And baptism is kind of like that single doorway that makes everybody equal. Because we all come through the waters of baptism when we come into the church. So in some Catholic churches, in some ancient churches, um, they have, like some churches, like when you walk into a church, the first thing you see is actually the baptismal font. And baptisms are done in the back of the church. Sometimes churches even have, there are some churches that do their baptisms at the beginning of the service before anything else happens because they're trying to communicate the reality that baptism is the doorway into the church. Um, that, you, that, that baptism is your entrance in. It's the celebration of you coming in. Um, in the Catholic church, I didn't even know this when I was in the Catholic church, but I learned it later. Um, they had these little like things of water when you walk in and you were supposed to like dip your hand in there and you make the sign of the cross. And I, I just, I did it because that's what everybody did when you walked in. But then I found out later, we have different ideas of what baptism means in the Catholic church. But the idea is that when you walk into the church, you remind yourself that you've been baptized. You're not getting re-baptized, but just you're remembering that you are baptized. You're remembering that this is how you came in because of the grace of God and his love expressed to you through baptism. And that's exciting. The idea that as different as we are, we have some things in common. Baptism is designed to unite us. It's designed to unite us with God and with each other in this radical way. And so it really does, baptism gives us a new start. And that if we are far from God, God brings us back and gives us this new start. So the passage goes on, verse 25 says this, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. So when God brings us back, it's not, all right, I'm gonna give you another chance at this. Let's see how you do this time. That's not how God works. A lot of people feel that way about religion. They think that religion is actually sort of spiritual calisthenics. And if you work out enough and get strong enough spiritually, then maybe God will accept you. That's not Christianity. That's not what baptism communicates. Baptism communicates the exact opposite. Look at this. It says, I will sprinkle clean water and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And so what this is saying is that when God brings us back, he forgives us. That entrance into his family, that celebration moment where God adopts us into his family is a moment of forgiveness. Where God says, I mean, 
the image, right? The image is he pours out his cleansing love over us and we are washed clean of our sins. So everything that we have done, everything that we will do, God cleanses us. Um, And this is one image that's communicated in baptism. It communicates the grace of forgiveness. And this makes people strong. I'll tell you what, this gives people confidence. Um, You have people in your life and you're not sure how they feel about you. You don't know if they like you or not. You don't know if they love you, if they care about you, or if they're for you. And so when you're around them, you're kind of nervous, right? God doesn't want you to feel that way about him. And so God says, when you come back to me, I forgive you. I forgive you. This is God's grace. Um, and, And when God says this, God doesn't say, when God forgives, he doesn't say, look, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. That's not how God's forgiveness works. To God, it's an incredibly big deal. Forgiveness is an enormous deal, okay? God has been hurt by our sins, okay? There are people in your life who have hurt you, um, and it's hard to forgive them because to forgive means you have to kind of let it go, And there's some nervousness there, right? Number one, like you kind of want them to pay for what they did. Number two, you're probably maybe afraid that if you let go of this, they're not going to pay for it, then they might do it again to you. These are real issues that we face and God knows exactly how you feel. God knows what it's like to forgive people and then have them abuse his forgiveness. Um, God has been hurt by our sins. He's been hurt by our disregard of him. Like God loves us like a father, like a good father. And when we turn our back on him, when we disregard him, that hurts his heart. Like that hurts our relationship with him. And so he's been hurt by us individually, but then also collectively, like his reputation has been destroyed by the church and by people who claim to follow Jesus. And so... When God says, I forgive you, he's not making light of what we've done. God says, look, I'm not acting like what you did doesn't matter. But Jesus shows you that for what you have done, I have been hurt. And I'm willing to take the punishment that your sins deserve on myself. I'm willing to endure it and I'm willing to let it go. Friends, this is how God treats us. Man. I mean, this is what baptism means. When the waters of baptism are poured out over someone, God is saying, I forgive you. I accept you. I love you. I'm committed to you. You get a fresh start. God goes on. He doesn't just cleanse us. I mean, this is amazing. The verse goes on, verse 26. He says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. 
So there is cleansing, but in baptism, there's also a change that takes place. The change isn't our responsibility all by ourselves, right? Because God doesn't just give us a new start. He gives us a new heart. Okay, and this is, it's a different kind of metaphor. There is a heart of stone that's in us. And God takes that heart of stone out and gives us a heart of flesh. So the heart of stone is a hard heart. It's a stubborn heart. It's a heart that's unwilling to listen. It's a heart that's unwilling to learn. It's a heart that thinks that you know better than everyone else. It's a heart that makes you think that your needs are more important than everybody else's. Like these are ways that we express our hard-heartedness. Um, it's a heart that, our, our, our old heart, our hard heart, is this heart of stone is a heart that will use other people for what you can get, for your own pleasure, for your own comfort, for your own, um, I mean, you can fill in the blank. And in baptism, God takes that heart of stone out of us and he gives us a heart that is soft. He gives us a heart that is teachable. He gives us a heart that wants to hear from him, that wants to understand him and his perspective, that wants, us, that wants to know what he thinks and how he feels about every situation in our lives. And it's a heart that not only is soft toward him, but it's soft toward other people. Right? It's a heart that's willing to listen and to admit that I don't know even what I don't know. It's a heart that's willing to say, look, I have thoughts about this, but I need to know what you think. I have an opinion, I have a side, but I want to hear your side. It's a soft heartedness that's willing to listen to God and listen to others. And this is what happens to us when God, when we're baptized. In our baptism, it communicates. And, and again, this heart surgery, it's a metaphor, okay? It's a metaphor of something else. And, and the image of baptism is that water is poured out to cleanse us. But the other image of pouring out in the Bible, um, and you can look at this in Acts 2 verse 33 is one of the places that's really clear on this, is that God is pouring out his spirit, on you, over you, to drench you so that it gets inside of you. And so he is pouring his presence out. I, lo I love how verse, which is, is verse 26, he says, a new spirit I will put within you. So he's like, I'm gonna give you a new spirit. This is a new want to, it's a new desire, you know, core. It's a, it's a new operating system that wants different things, that thinks different things. It, it's this new spirit. And then in verse 27, he actually makes it clear. He says, and it's not just any new spirit, but I'm putting in my spirit. So this is the Holy Spirit. This is God as a spirit being poured out into your heart. This is how people change. This is how people change. People go to God and they say, God, I'm broken. Will you help me? And baptism, in baptism, God says, I am with you. I am going to change you. I'm going to work within you to make you new. And so God cleanses us from our sins and then he fills us with his spirit. 
And part of the reason we change in this is because God becomes more and more and more important to us. And this is hard because in any relationship, it's easy to grow to a place where you start taking it for granted. And what was like super exciting at first can become rote, can become ordinary and not exciting anymore. This happens in human relationships. It happens with God. And what our baptism reminds us of is that God has thrown a celebration party to celebrate the day when he filled us with his presence, when he joined himself, when he united himself to us and said, for the rest of eternity, you will never be alone. Man. Baptism is kind of like the, the wedding ring that you never, ever have to take off, right? It's that one-time event that you can look back to and know that nothing has changed about God's love for you from the day that you felt it so deeply and personally. God still loves you that much. He's still with you to that degree. And this... This creates a Christian experience. Like when you know this, um, when you know that in all of the ups and downs, in all of the, the good times and the bad, when you've done well and you've done awful in the presence of God, that God still loves you, that he's still with you. Um, when you realize that when nobody else understands and yet God does, like there's just moments, there's moments in our lives when this truth of being baptized and having God put his own spirit into us so that we're never alone, gosh, it fills us. It fills us. So baptism is a homecoming. It's us coming home, being cleansed and forgiven and given the presence of God. So, and we're just starting. We're just scratching the surface here. This is just the beginning of the series. Got to come back for more, but just some applications this week, just really quickly. First application is get baptized. Get baptized. If you haven't been baptized, come and be baptized. Let us know that you want to be baptized and we'll schedule you to be baptized in the bay at Crown Point Beach, July 22nd. And you will experience this water ceremony that communicates all of this, right? Um, so second, baptize your children. If you have kids, bring them for baptism. Um, let them grow up knowing and experiencing that before they could even believe, God loved them and drew them to himself. And then third, this week, I want you to be strong in the Lord. Baptism unites us to Jesus. And Ephesians 6.10 says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This week, live as though you have the infinite power of God in you. Because you do. Find someone that you can love this week. Find someone that you can serve this week in a way that only God's motivation, only God's love through you could make it happen. Forgive someone this week, not because you're strong enough, but because God is strong enough and he can do it through you. Let's pray.
Father, thank you for teaching us what baptism is. Draw near to us even now and help those of us who were baptized to rejoice in what you have done to show your love for us. For those who haven't been baptized, some of them, they already believe. And so God, thank you that our salvation is based on our faith, not our baptism. That our baptism is this communication, this celebration moment of our faith. But, um, but God, I pray that you would draw those of us who haven't been baptized to experience this ceremony so that we can experience your definitive love for us. And then for those who are still far away, Jesus, would you reach out and touch their hearts, help them to want to come back, to confess their sins, and start following you. We pray this in your name. Amen.